Welcome to the Denise Hill Experience with stories and interviews that educate, inspire, and encourage. Now, here's your host, Denise Hill. Hey family, welcome to another episode of the Denise Hill Experience. I'm your host, Denise Hill. Oh my goodness, the decades I've spent in the entertainment and radio industry has allowed me to interact with so many people from the everyday mom, dad, even teenager impacting the world to politicians and yes, all types of gospel artists, inspiration artists, preachers, pastors, secular people as well, R&B, urban artists, and in the case of this episode, musicians. Yes, a jazz musician. Though, from this interview, we had to question whether or not he was actually a gospel jazz musician or not. You see, this brother has been playing saxophone for many, many decades on many, many stages around the world, and most know him as a jazz artist. But he, in fact, is a PK, a preacher's kid. So he grew up playing gospel music as he learned how to hone his skill and become the world-class instrumentalist we know today. He collabed with several other musicians who found success in the secular music industry, but had a personal walk with God and just needed a venue to be able to express that. So he did a series called The Gospel According to Jazz. I'm talking about Kirk Whalum. Yes, Kirk Wellum. Let me tell you, I love Kirk Wellum so much. I love, 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 love Kirk Wellum so, so much. And this interview was during his promotional tour for his Gospel According to Jazz 2 project. So he had already introduced himself to the gospel music industry with Gospel According to Jazz 1, but this one, Gospel According to Jazz 2, with that hit Falling in Love with Jesus that featured Jonathan Butler, Oh man, that just kind of took him over the top. So you know I had to ask him all types of questions about being a musician, being a church musician, being a skilled musician, being a paid and unpaid musician. Oh man, we got all up and through it. I'm telling you what I know. And the wonderful thing is, no matter what I asked him, whether it was about jazz, gospel music, the church, mentoring young folks, no matter what I asked him, he tied it back to scripture every single time. This brother has a relationship for real, for real. And I was so, so happy to sit and talk with him. And I didn't know how much he knew of the gospel lady. That's what I called myself back then. I didn't know how much he knew of me and supported me. So it was that much more of an honor. And of course made this one of my favorite interviews of all time. It's like my top five. He offered so much insight about some of the shortfalls when it comes to the church really supporting its musicians and the kind of musician flight out of the church into the secular world so that musicians who want to be able to, you know, do it full time and pay their bills can actually do so. He was also a bit critical of some musicians who like to play but don't like to learn and master and hone their skills. Man, Kirk Wellam went in on so many different levels about so many different things. This was definitely one of my favorite experiences and I'm so glad I get to share it with you. You're gonna love it too, I promise. Check it out. It's the Gospel Lady with Kirk Wellum. How are you? Hey, man, I've always wanted to meet the Gospel Lady. Have you really? I have finally met the Gospel Lady. I finally met Kirk Wellum. She's so beautiful. Now, I wish y'all could see her. This lady see, is in stop. here in the box in here. She's got a little box that, that they make her operate out of. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm going to shove you in the box and hide you. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, you know, your, your music 
period, in general, has been uh, phenomenal and inspiring through the years. And now it seemed like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you started doing gospel music. Right. Where did that come from? Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great for me. Uh, what I'm finding is that as now that I have, if in effect, three gospel, quote unquote, gospel records out, uh, I get asked that question. So, well, you know, how did you all of a sudden, you know, yeah. start doing gospel? I said, well, that's interesting. When I was 12, the first song I ever played in front of people was Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was at church, and my dad's a pastor. So, I mean, I, you know, when I got the horn home from school, you know, I was I couldn't wait to break it out at church because that, that was our world, you know, right. our little world. And uh, fast forward, I played Amazing Grace in front of 75,000 people sitting next to, standing next to Whitney Houston in, in Johannesburg, South Africa. Mm. 7.5 million people watching live on HBO. Uh, playing Amazing Grace, you know, and I thought about, I was crying, I just, just, you know, it was just a moment for me, mm-hmm. and I thought back to how terrible I must have sounded when I was 12 <laughs> playing that <laughs> song, but the people were so encouraging, that's the beautiful thing about a church family, you know, right. the family of God, uh, that, you know, God's people are just so sweet, man, and, and sometimes they can gas you up to the point where you really think a little bit more of yourself than you should, you right. know, <laughs> and uh, so the, the, all that's really sweet, and and yet, you know, I felt uh, I, I felt called of God years ago, literally years ago, when I was like 20 years old, uh, that the Lord would use me in the mainstream music industry. Mm-hmm. Now, again, a, a lot of people would say, well, now, how in the world does that work? Well, I mean, if it, it kind of works a lot like any other job in the sense that, you know, most of us, most people, people listen to me right now. Most of us work out in the, in the public. We right. work, you know, we work for the man, as it were. And uh, God has called us into that area until he like calls you in full time ministry or whatever. You know, maybe he'll do that. Right. But most of us, he won't. Be- why? Because we are the salt and the light and mm-hmm. the salt and the light goes where it's needed most. And I believe that the music that God is, uh, the, I'll say it like this, the the industry, the, you know, the the segment of, of, of the public that God has called me to personally. Right. Is not necessarily the church. In other words. I'm grateful that we have these gospel records out because I get to hang out with the people of God. Right, right. And that's always a blessing. But I'm a soldier. Mm-hmm. And I believe that my calling is out in the in the warfare. Right, you know? right, right. And I believe that, you know, as long as we kid ourselves into thinking, that, well, they're going to come to us, you mm-hmm. know. You know, they're not going to come to us. You, you know? know, I got your back on that. I do. <laughs> I do. I have your back on that. And so many people, they, they don't understand what you're saying. They're like, yeah. you know, Nah, man, you're compromising. You're doing this. You're doing that. But I've heard that from so many artists, from Kelly Price, from uh, uh, just Woody Rock, from uh, Michelle Williams, and I'm I'm putting those names out because those are noticeable names that right. have have a uh, supposed secular or urban um, career in yes. entertainment. Mm-hmm. But they're saved. You yeah. know, they're they're living for God. Yeah. But they were in that individual area, and they have to minister in that area. So if you're trash, man, well, you're supposed to minister. In your sanitation department. Hallelujah. If you're a teacher, you're supposed to minister. So you just happen to be an instrumentalist within, I guess, a secular realm. If, if we have to categorize it as yeah. such, and you're called to minister within that realm. So and it's a it's a privilege. It's a, it's a big responsibility, but, it's, but it is a privilege, you know. And, <laughs> and I, I consider people say, well, you know, how how do you keep you know from this and that? I'm like, you know what? I'll be honest. I'm not tempted nearly as much out here as I feel like I am, you know, in church a lot of times. Oh, man, you're going there. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, you know, people say, well, you know, you're out there in the world and there's this and this. And I'm like, that's all of that 
in the church, you know. Yeah. As far as just, you know, just the regular temptations. And Paul is clear. He said, he said, you know, you've not been tempted with anything above what God has, has, has given you strength to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm grateful for a job. You know, I, a lot of times I think people get confused. They say, well, no, this is my ministry. Yeah, that's great. But you also, as a head of a household, in my particular case, I have a wife and kids. Right. You know, and not only that, I have a band and, you know, and people who are, are looking to kind of make some money to pay right, rent. Right, right. So, <laughs> you know, and many times in churches, well, we don't want to go there. Go but, there. But, Look, <laughs> we done started it. Just keep the ball rolling. Go oh, there. No. We got the first three toes hurting. We might as well finish ah, off the, the rest foot. Of the seven, yeah. I'm saying. Uh, no, and, and that really is, that tends to be a problem. You know, again, we've considered an honor to, to play for the body of Christ. But many times uh, we find that there's lots of aspects of that that are, you know, not always well taken care of. Right. You know, and mm -hmm. there are elements that, you know, people... They don't really consider this, you know, your job. Right. You know, they say, well, you, you're, uh, this is your ministry, so, uh, you know, we just kind of give you whatever. And and it's funny that you brought that up because there's an ongoing debate on whether or not uh, ministers of music and, and church organists and pianists, whether they should be paid or if they're doing it out of uh, their love for Christ and their ministry. Yeah. So uh, where yeah, do you and, stand on yeah, that? Yeah, see, a lot of those people who, quote, unquote, are doing it out of love, you know, they there, uh, a lot of them have, have hypertension and high blood pressure, and, <laughs> and they're running around crazy because they have to do a quote unquote day job. Right. And then right after that, they go straight into some rehearsal until, you know, nine or 10 o'clock, and that's four or five nights a week. And then on the weekend, what are they doing? Right. They're playing. They're at church. All day long, mm -hmm. you know. And, and a lot of those, you know, I mean, look at. Um, um, in Memphis, the the choir director. I'm from Memphis, and I know it's just right now his name is not coming to me, but um, <laughs> he passed away at a very young age, and uh, you know, in the early 30s. Right, right. And just just crazy, the, you know. Was that the brother that used to sing with uh, Donald Lawrence? Uh, I'm gonna think of that in a little little bit later yeah, when we're talking. But <laughs> but you know, it's probably just as well. But the mm -hmm. issue is that a lot of times people don't really see that okay wait a minute we could if we could empower this brother first first of all what you're doing you know who's to who's to deny that what that person is doing is highly skilled mm -hmm. it's a very specifically highly skilled profession right much more skilled than many people who go out and say you know work or, or, or whatever job here's a guy who's got to know all these things about music or a lady who has to know all these different things and that and and in the world you know, they will compensate you for that, mm -hmm. you know. And, and again, we wonder why a lot of our young musicians, they're like, they're out, you know, playing hip hop. And, and again, maybe I'm not saying that's wrong either. Maybe God's called them out there. But a lot of them are out there just because, man, I, you know, I'm not going I'm not going to pay rent. Right. <laughs> right. Right. On you guys, mm -hmm. you know, but there, there, there's a right now, man, we really need to prayerfully uh, assess all of that you know uh, I, I, just on a positive note God is doing some amazing things in some young musicians and old musicians too who are out in the world and they understand their calling mm -hmm. they understand their purpose that God has put us out here to be salt and light I don't you know the, the great commission says go I don't know how any you know you can't make any plainer than that you right, know, right. go you know not stay in here you know because no if you go you got to serve God with you well okay now does that mean you guys are selfish and you want all the great musicians just kind of gathered together mm. in the church building? Or are you willing to commission them and get them out there, prepare them, you know, make sure they've got the word of God. He says, I've hid my, your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Well, why do we need to hide God's word in our heart if we're going to stay up in the church house? Mm. 
I think you're on toe number seven. We got about three more to Goodness. get to. <laughs> Kirk Wellum. Hey, I need you to, to distinguish some terms for me, okay? okay? Dictionary. Now, you are a saxophonist? Yes. What is the difference between a saxophonist and an instrumentalist? Do you have to be able to play a number of different types of saxophonists before you get to a, a, a level of an instrumentalist? or? Right. No, no. That's really an instrumentalist. It would be a broader category um, to say that a saxophonist, a trumpetist, and a trombonist are all instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so no, um, I have a, a theory about that, about focusing. Um, I think we have a misguided, uh, some of us have a misguided view on that to where the, the brother who plays or sister who plays a lot of instruments is better than one who plays one instrument really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I think there's no such thing as really mastering a lot of instruments. I really think, and I made a decision early, man, when I was in college at Texas Southern, I said, I'm going to focus on one thing. I love playing alto. I love playing soprano. I love the flute. You know, I, I was really hooked on the flute. I almost put my sax on down. Really? But, you know, at a certain point, I mean, I have four kids, and, you know, it, it really, there's only so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you can't really, you can touch on a lot of instruments. You know, like to play a little keyboards, little drums, a little this, a little that. And I know that a lot of guys, ladies who grew up in the Church of God in Christ, for instance, you know, end up playing a lot of different instruments, and that's great. I like to hear a person play one instrument really well. Mm-hmm. Abraham Laboreal can play other instruments, but that brother can play the bass. <laughs> you know, I mean, Gerald Albright, he plays great bass, he plays all these other things, but man, he can play the saxophone. Right, right, right. Okay, did you major in music? I did, yeah, I, w- I was a performance major composition major for a while i'm a frustrated arranger you know i love arranging and writing and so at that time did you have aspirations to be an artist or were you going into teaching or anything else i always knew that i would be performing you know i've always wanted to do it um from the first day you know i I love being in front of people Mm -hmm. you know just playing and and again i believe god puts those things in you for a purpose you know when he's trying to gently guide you into your calling he'll place in you certain desires and certain aspirations um now again but you have to take it in context because a lot of people will um will really you know kind of get off on a tangent and say well i'm gonna you know i just believe god's called me to uh, be a solo artist on the record label okay well you know if that's true that will come to pass without you forcing it yeah you know so what you got to do in the meantime is just serve god where you are continue to learn mm. your craft and all of that there goes toe eight and oh, nine. because <laughs> there's some artists they don't want to hear that they're mm. really forcing it and their vo- their voice isn't trained yet or their skill yeah. isn't up to par just yet but they're you know in somebody's basement cutting cds and and going out and doing their thing and and trying to push it trying yeah. to push the door open instead of letting god letting him just open there you go and then you got prophet so-and-so and, and apostle yeah. so-and-so saying yeah I, I in the name of jesus you know you you're gonna be out there in front of millions of people next month and it's like well you know as far as i'm concerned i like the idea of someone taking that time to really study their craft yeah really learn their instrument really pay the dues study take lessons if you can't read music as far as i'm concerned don't call yourself a musician mm. now that's that's a very broad statement and but i say it I say it dogmatically for this reason. A young musician, nowadays especially, with all the opportunities that we have, and God has opened all these doors through, you know, the suffering and even, you know, death of mm-hmm. some of some folks who, who gave their lives for us to be able to pursue 
uh, our craft and pursue higher education and all these things. If you don't speak the language of music, which is reading music, mm -hmm. then you, you're not, you know, there's no excuse. I mean, if you can read the paper, you can read music. Right. It's just you haven't taken the time to learn how to do it. And some people will say, well, why would I need to do that? Well, maybe, you know, again, not in all cases that applies, but I'll say that a young musician with all the opportunities that are out here, I think of, for instance, Nathan East is an amazing bass player who plays for foreplay. And that's an amazing band. Mm -hmm. And uh, they travel the world. And he also plays with Eric Clapton, and he plays with Phil Collins, and he plays with Michael Jackson, all these other people. Well, he loves the Lord. And to say, if he had, at one day, at one point, if he had said, well, you know what, I can play already. And, um, you know, God has given me this gift, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to, quote, unquote, take lessons or study music or try to learn how to read. I think he would have automatically closed himself in in terms of, of his, you know, the vistas that he has now uh, crossed. You know, he's, he, he's a, you know, he's a world-class musician. Right, right. And I think a part of that is that, is that vision of hard work. You know, I think, uh, you know, this whole thing of, well, the Lord laid, you know, somebody laid hands on me and I got the gift of music and I never took a lesson in my life, you know, like they're proud of it. I'm like, no, once they laid hands on you, that was when you supposed to go sign put up. put some work behind that faith. Exactly, yeah. you mm. know. And I think there's something about that that, that we've missed out on, you know, just learning how, again, especially with the technology, the way it is, I mean, you know, I can sit up on my laptop and basically make the whole record, uh, but, you know, sampling and sequencing and all of that, but you know what, man, it's nothing like, like I said, just to hear a David's heart, you know, where David, he was skillful on the instrument. Mm -hmm. The Lord had, had given him this gift, but he, he was up there on the backside of the mountain watching sheep practicing all day long. Thus, he was skillful, so he brought a sacrifice of excellence before God. And I think the Lord just honors that. That's something about that. You know, when I hear John Stoddard, there's a, a, a brother that I've been working with lately. He has a brand-new record that's going to come out very soon on Warner Brothers, and I guarantee you'll be hearing about him. John Stoddard, he and I did a, a Hymns in the Garden record together. He's, he's co-written a lot of stuff with me. But here's a guy who's, who's he's practiced and studied classical music, jazz, you know, he's studied, you know, picked apart Joe Sample solos and all these things. And now that he's finally going to be, he's going to show up in front of the public, they're going to be blessed. Yeah. Because A, he's anointed. B, he's worked really hard at it. And now C, you've endorsed him. Uh, and <laughs> so. C, now you got a plug, right? <laughs> I'm glad to mention somebody like him. I, right. I, I want to make him like a poster child. Because, you know, he really does represent for me what it should be about. Yes, there are people, of course, to redress my earlier statement, there are people who will not get a chance to learn how to read music. Mm -hmm. But these young people who do have those opportunities, there's just no excuse. You ought to, it, it, not just reading music, whatever, whatever it, it takes to, to pursue excellence before God. David said, I will not bring a sacrifice to the Lord that costs me nothing. Mm. Pastor Willem. Pastor Will in well, the house. That's kind of heavy, ain't it? <laughs> hey, what point in your career, what age, which album did you get your first opportunity to be on stage with those who influenced you? Great question. When I was, uh, how old was I? I can't remember actually, but it was in it was in 1984. I opened a concert for Bob James, and uh, many people will know his music from the TV show Taxi. Mm -hmm as well uh, from the band Foreplay and just he's done a lot of stuff but I opened a concert for him and long story short I found myself two weeks later in New York 
uh, playing on his record, which, you know, again, for me, I had never played on anybody's record. Right, so right. it was all new. But uh, from there, uh, he, he helped to get me signed to, to Columbia Records at the time, uh, where I was for 12 years. And uh, then he went over to Warner Brothers and I went over to Warner Brothers. And uh, but that was it. You know, to the you know, the scripture talks about being faithful in the small things. Mm hmm. You know, I was trying to be faithful in the small things. I had my band. I was playing uh, every night. I, we took no prisoners. You know, we it wasn't like, man, when we get the big gig, we really going to play. No, we were playing every night. And it was in that setting that the Lord opened this door. You see, God's got, he's always going to open a door if you're faithful. It's not a question of whether or not he's going to open it. It's a question of are you going to be ready. Right. Wow. Mm. We've got Kirk Whalem in the house with the Gospel Lady, and uh, we want to talk about your gospel projects, especially the most recent one, Gospel According to Jazz, Chapter 2, Yes, Falling in Love with Jesus. Oh, uh, you got goodness. my favorite person in the whole world to mm, sing that. Mm, mm, oh, my Butler. goodness. He put a hurting on it. Yeah, Jonathan Butler told me I had written a song. This is a great, uh, a great uh, sort of antidote uh, to talk about how you really have to be humble. Uh, before before the Lord, when all this stuff is going down, it's easy to say, you know, hey, this is my project, this is my idea. Mm-hmm. I had a song I wanted Jonathan to do on this record that I had written specifically for him, and he kept saying, man, I'm not feeling this song, man. I, you know, I just keep keep trying. He said, but I've got this song that I wrote. He actually, said to be honest, the Lord wrote the song because I was out hiking. And just praying, you know, yapping to the Lord. You know, sometimes we just get so worked up. You know, right, Lord, right. I want you to bless this one. And, bless. and, Lord, and he said, the Lord just said, hey, Jonathan, shh. <laughs> he tells you know? me shut up. So he was nice to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he was a gentleman. And uh, he said the Lord basically dropped this melody on him. You could say the Lord sang this melody to him. And uh, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I ever did. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, you know, they go, wow, I wonder have I actually done that? I mean, I know I'm going to church and I'm tithing or I'm, you know, I'm religious, but falling in love with Jesus is a totally different thing. Yeah. And when we invite someone to, you know, we say, well, you know, you, you should, you should uh, check this out. Are we saying, you know, come to my church or are we saying, you know, adopt this doctrine or no, we want them to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And that's really what the song is about. And it's funny because so many marriages failing and, not even failing, just folks giving up on them because they don't understand that that relationship that you have here is supposed to mimic the one that you have with God. So if it's, if something's falling apart here, mm. you need to look at your relationship with Him to see if it's falling apart up there too. Because it's going to be, a, it's going to mimic. Yeah, you've been married for twenty three years. Twenty three years, wow. and, I, and you know, uh, we could say thirty years because I met her when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, really. The intimacy that I have with the Lord is the foundation that I, of the intimacy I have with my wife. And there's, there's, a, you know, we're best friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that really is, uh, it's, you can't tell people that, you know, it's something that they have to see. But, you know, you can't fix it. What you have to do is go in there and get your relationship with the Lord Jesus straight. Right. And uh, let it trickle down. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, then, um, tell me the one question most musicians, artists, Hate to answer. Uh-huh. What's your favorite song on the CD? Ooh, <laughs> I would have to say "Falling in Love with Jesus." You know, just I mean, I love "Tie Tie You Jesus" as uh-huh. well because uh, that's another you know incredible. It talks about you know how you can't come to Jesus unless you're gonna come like a little baby, and you know little kids can't they can't even get out. Thank you. They'd be kind of, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, falling in love with Jesus, is it was great for me because, again, it was something that I, quote, unquote, didn't have anything to do with. 
Right. You know what I mean? So it's great for the Lord to just make it clear that this ain't you, you know, this ain't your quote unquote project. You know, this is me. This is my sovereign will. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely fall in love with Jesus. The Gospel According to Jazz, Volume 1, kind of sets your place in the gospel music industry as an artist. And the Gospel According to Jazz, Chapter 2, has kind of propelled you out there (laughs) to be known as a gospel artist now, not only as as a saxophonist, but as a gospel artist. Is there going to be a Chapter 3? Well, that was the whole concept. You know, my manager, Cole, came up with this idea. Well, you know, we I came up with the with the, the idea to do this live series. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up with a title that just fit like a glove. And it's great because all of the rest of them will be just like that. They'll be live. They will feature primarily, quote-unquote, secular artists who love Jesus and uh, give them an opportunity to make a, just an overt statement in this area. Because, again, I believe that God has called George Duke, for instance, into the secular world right, right, right. to make a difference. But um, but it's great for us to be able to kind of hang out with, with God's people on these projects. I don't know that I could say I'm a gospel artist because I don't think I'm even familiar. <clears throat> when I listen to your show, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly listening to stuff that I, I don't know who the person is. I'm like, wow, that's great. Oh, no, they got 15 records out. Oh, <laughs> you know. So I don't know if I'm that, but but I love Jesus, man. And, and a lot of times I feel like I'm kind of a stealth out in the in the in the mainstream world, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, like, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be like 99 doing the gospel corner jazz chapter 78. 78. <laughs> we'll see. You know, I, I, I would love to do that, man. I, I, I feel like there's so many great um artists who are out there making their living in the secular world and uh, many of them are called and by the way it works both ways Mm -hmm. a lot of times the artists some of the artists that we're looking at using they're folks who who actually are not serving God but you know we kind of want to rub shoulders with them right right so they can see how we're living and uh let our lives speak for you know for the for the gospel and uh pull them on in so well, the video is out, too, the DVD. The DVD is now, out. Now, you get a good experience from just listening to the CD, especially on Falling in Love with Jesus on the, the long version of the song. Right. Not this radio edit they putting out, man. I'm not feeling that, man. Give me my whole you. seven minutes, man. You. All right. Do they get a little more from the DVD Ooh, and the video? Lord, the video the, the video is amazing. I mean, we've been, uh, my pastor, you know, he's, he said, man, I've been down there, down there, you know, looking in front of TV crying. My wife's like, What's wrong with you, you know? <laughs> and he's like, falling in love. <laughs> it, it's really powerful. It's really wow. something. Again, to see someone like Paul Jackson Jr. play that instrument so excellently, you know, like the finesse of somebody who, you know, you've been living with this instrument for years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just it's just amazing. All those years of practice, you can see it, especially on the video. You can actually, you know, and it's great, too, for young musicians to, to, to watch the technique of, of you know, of Sean McCurley on drums who, you know, this is not just about, oh, I can play a fat beat. Right. This is like I can read a chart in 7-4 time, you mm. know. This is not. We, it just we, sounds hard. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made it a point to, you know, to make sure that it was, you know, we can stretch our wings in mm-hmm. these projects because we're not making them for a particular format because there is no format necessarily, that, right. you know, called smooth, I mean, uh, you know, gospel jazz. We just make the records and... It's and coming, though. It's yeah, coming. We'll it's see. coming, yeah. Well, last question, then I'm going to let you have the last comment. Okay. Uh, who's your protege? Uh, as in mentor or... As in who um, you're bringing up because you speak so much of, uh, of the young folks and how what they should do. So yeah, I, okay. I get a sense that you're training someone and passing this right, on to people. Right. Well, you know what? I guess there's a few people. Um, there's a guy here in town, actually, who uh, um, I'm, I'm really, really proud of. And uh, he's he calls himself, you know, the, the white gospel soul brother. 
<laughs> and uh, he's actually been um, he's actually been you know playing around here locally a lot. And um, and his name is Rob Militech. <laughs> and so I'm really grateful to see what the Lord is doing through him, uh, because this ain't about us and them and none of that. You know, the gospel of reconciliation uh, is a gospel that the Lord Jesus authored. So we can't go and like erase nothing out of it. You know, no God desires for us to all be one. So uh, that's the guy. Yeah, we're gonna look out for him. Yeah, and I guess you might look out for my son Kyle. I mean, I don't know that. Uh oh. Yeah, that's I some mean, pressure. Yeah, you know, check it out. Ooh. I mean, he's he's just got on sax. No, he plays bass. Okay. He's featured on the CD. He, we do one of his tunes. He writes a lot. A song called Seasons, uh -huh. and uh, he just came back from London uh, with um, Nicole C. Mullen. He tours with her. He tours wow. with Stacey Rico. And um, but he's in college, so I'm like, you know, if anything, I'm like waiting. I'm trying to get the brother through college before I start. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to push him through college rather than push him on to you know a big career. But he's undoubtedly, uh, he well, he's a, he's a, he's a, as they say, a prolific young musician. Um, and again, he's following the, the the correct avenue. You know, he's studying studying upright bass. He's you know he can read very well. Uh, all of that. You know, so I'm excited about him. Well, what's your last uh, thoughts, your last comments, something that you would like to leave with the listeners about you, about your project, about okay. music, whatever you want? Okay, well, I've, I've said so much, so I'm just going to say this. And all the toes are gone. Yeah, no okay? more toes. No more toes. Pray for the gospel lady. <laughs> Pray for this lady as she is being used to, not just in this country, but all over the world, to, um, you know, to, to, to extend the kingdom of God. This is important stuff, so you know that the enemy is not unaware and by the way he's called the prince of the power of the air and uh mm. if, for those of you who wonder what that is that would be xm that would be <laughs> radio so uh we want to make sure we're not ignorant of his devices we're going to pray for the gospel lady and as well pray for a lot of these artists who like myself you know we're out in the in the mainstream world and so uh we don't need you know to be scrutinized so much right. as, as prayed for mm, i appreciate that yeah Oh, I can't let you go, but I gotta let you go off the air. Y'all I'll let y'all know what happened later. All right. There you go. Kirk Wellum, thank you so much for stopping by. Man, oh man. Can I tell you I forgot that he solicited those prayers for me until I began to edit this episode? And then it just brought me close to tears. I promise you it did. Because that's all I wanna do is be able to impact the world, inspire people to be the best version of themselves and be an example of God and his love to everyone. But it gets hard sometimes. <laughs> so to know somebody's praying for you, man, Kirk Wellam left me with that one and I'll cherish it forever and ever and ever. That's what we're supposed to do with these types of experiences in our lives. As we cross paths with people, as we experience different situations, good, bad, or indifferent, we've got to take the time to look back, pull the jewels from the experiences that will help position us for success in the future. Get the lessons that we were supposed to learn so we won't have to take that test again later on. And in my case, get some encouragement that you definitely needed at that moment that you forgot was even there. Man, Kirk Wellam, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the experience. Hey, I would love it if you're a part of all of my experiences and I've got so many more coming. So make sure you subscribe to this channel, that you share this episode so it can bless someone else and that you follow me on all my social media so you don't miss a thing. I'm at the Denise Hill on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'll see you there and back here for another edition of the Denise Hill Experience. Until then, you stay blessed.
Thank you for joining the Denise Hill Experience. For more, connect with Denise at denisehill.com and on all social media at The Denise Hill. See you next time for more great stories and interviews inside the Denise Hill Experience.